<laughs> do it yourself for uh podcasting folks uh it's the new it's the new punk rock and i i'm still an idiot when it comes to uh technical stuff but anyway uh welcome back to uh digging chris graves and i have a really cool guest right now mr brian rupert uh from tell him steve dave my favorite podcast of all time um, he actually uh, contributes to the video component to tell them Steve Dave Dow with the, their Patreon. Um, so, yeah, welcome to the show. Thank you, man. I'm happy to be here. I love podcasting and I'm willing to, you know, show up whenever I'm asked to do something. So happy to be here. No, that, no it's an honor. I, I really appreciate it. Uh, were you able to uh, check out uh, Jimmy the Hair Guy's uh, conversation with me? <laughs> Uh, I saw it and I had got to be honest, I have not had the chance. I've been so busy. Uh, yeah, no, I understand. Yeah, no, I just last I, week was a crazy week with my show and I have a newborn. So my oh, oh, con congratulations. Thank you. The time I get to actually watch stuff is yeah. very, very limited these days. So, oh, yeah. no worries. Yeah, no, I, I put out like uh, eight different uh, podcasts and I don't even go back and watch them. So many things. So I understand. Um, and you also mentioned that you uh, you have a show, too. You want to tell everyone uh, about it and where they can find it? Yeah. So um, I do a show we record at TESD Town Studios. Uh, we, it's called Reviewing History. So basically it's a comedy history show. What we do is we watch movies based on history and we tell you what's real and fake in them, how accurate they are. And we kind of dissect the whole movie. And then once a month we do a random history episode where each one of us, uh, me and my two co-hosts, we each bring in a historical person or topic or something. Mm -hmm. And we talk about that. And at the end of the episode, we pick the next three movies we're going to watch. That's a great concept, man. Uh, no, that's pretty cool. And uh, where can people find the, that? Like uh, Apple Podcast, uh, uh, Apple Podcast, Spotify, iTunes, Podcast Addict, YouTube, Rumble, uh, basically anywhere there's podcasts, you could find uh, our show. And uh, is there a specific date that new ones drop? Uh, we typically drop every Wednesday, but okay. this yep. past week we did an early drop. Uh, we dropped on Monday this week because we wanted to kind of capture the Oppenheimer zeitgeist. Yes. So we yeah. threw our first event this past weekend where like we told listeners, come on out to the theater. We're going to be here at like a certain time. And we had people come out and hang out and see the movie with us, which was cool. And audience participation. That's fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> I think uh, last time I remember something like that going on, I think it was uh, Sal and and Q's podcast um, where they were, they took like the audience to the fast and the furious, like uh like part not eight or whatever it was a few years ago. And uh, it, was, it was pretty cool. Yeah. What say you, I actually what was at you? that screening. That was, was uh, there? yeah, that was before I even started working for tell him Steve Dave. That was when I was, you know, I was just a fan and um, I listened to what say you, and they were doing the screening and the way you got tickets was you had to send an email to them saying you wanted to go and where you lived. And based on that, they would decide uh, if you were getting one of the 50 tickets or however many it was for the screening. And um, I remember I, I got the tickets and years later now, I know Chris LaDondo, uh, <laughs> Steve Dave, he was the person running that and he picked that, you know, I would get the tickets. Yeah. And I think his hookup was a, a guy named Universal Mike, I think, right? Yeah. He actually... Uh, 
Not no Universal Mike is someone different. I know the name. Oh, okay. I, I know the name of his uh, his Universal Connect. I don't want to say. No, it no, 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 no. That's fine. Yeah, I thought but it was like, the same guy. He actually hooked up uh, my show uh, for Oppenheimer. I got to see it twice. I had an advanced screening on Tuesday, and then we did the fan event on uh, Saturday. Well, how well? How did it go? Because I haven't gotten a chance to see the movie yet. But uh... okay, me and my hosts are split on it i loved it i think it's nolan's masterpiece really Uh, my co-hosts were less enthusiastic they kind of thought it was boring so there it's a lot of talking you know it's a lot of like people figuring things out in rooms interrogations courtroom drama stuff so it depends what you're into you know well that's like uh, all the movies from like the uh the 60s and 70s they uh what they would call like a slow burn and uh those are classics like um i'm trying to think right now like like even movie like network uh people today would consider uh slow or whatever but still an important movie you know yeah network is fantastic and then um uh what's that other one uh, i think albert brooks is in it's another newsroom style movie oh yeah yeah I not network that. i can't think of the fucking name right now you know the movie i'm talking about yeah yeah all i'm getting in my head is all the president's men with uh, robert redford and uh <laughs> and the conversation things like that from yeah like exactly the... but anyway so uh yeah no this is great um well let's go back uh go back to um yeah uh you direct um you direct pieces uh I'm, i don't know how to uh say it with that i went to public school so full disclosure so i'm trying to choose my words here um so uh, when what your your function is on tell them steve Dave with the patreon material which is a lot of videos and things uh, you actually uh you're like one of the directors you and chuck staten right so the tsd i guess av squad yeah um, there's I'm just going to count the directors because there's other people that help help out too, like Alex Juarez, you know, yeah. Tom Milishevsky does like writing stuff. But the three main directors of the content are Chuck Staden, um, uh, Victor, Victor mm-hmm. Juarez, and myself. So the three of us, you know, depending on what project or, you know, availability, I don't know, Walt runs everything. So yeah. typically how it goes is, are you free this date? We want to do X, Y, and Z show. Can you do it? And then boom. And sometimes like you're creating a show from the ground up. So you're sitting with Walt and you're developing a concept for what the show is going to be and kind of how it's going to look. And you're building it like that, you know? That's awesome. As as a creative type, that that sounds fantastic. That, that just kind of harkens back to the old um, Howard Stern staff meetings. Like where they would pitch, everyone in the room would pitch something, you know? Yeah. That's, that's great. Um, when, okay, I have a, I have my little uh, DIY yeah. uh, thing here. Um, basically, I was asking you that because um, you've actually worked on some projects outside of uh, Tell Them Steve Dave. Uh, you, can you tell us a little bit about that? Oh, yeah, I'm happy to. So, years ago... Um, when, you know, when I first started making, you know, uh, film stuff and, you know, kind of teaching myself before I went to film school, uh, me and Steve Badagliaco, he's my co-host on, um, on reviewing history, but he also helps me with some tell him Steve Dave stuff. 
So like, um, he edited a lot of the early Patreon stuff cause I hate editing and I would oh, make really? him do it. But, yeah. uh, he, he'll do graphics for me sometimes, little things like that. Like, uh, if you watch the third eye radios that were filmed, uh, he helped me puppet doing some of the puppeteering. He did some of the pantomiming <laughs> in uh, that video as well. Uh, he's my best friend. We've been friends since we're three years old. So we started making films together around, I'll say 2006. And we entered in various uh, projects like Chiller Dare to Direct and different things like that, you know, just kind of teaching ourselves as we go uh, early YouTube videos, dumb stuff like that. And eventually I got the bug and I was like, okay, I want to make my own feature. That's what I was going to ask. Like if you always had the directing bug. Um, I definitely did it in high school. I was a jock, so I was more focused on that. But after high school, um, I kind of lost my way. I didn't know what I was doing in life, what I was yeah. going to do. Uh, you know, I think, you know, as an aside, the way our country is set up where it's like you graduate high school, now you must go to college and you have to know exactly what you want to do at 18 years old or you're fucked. Yeah, pretty uh, much. I think, I think it's a complete disaster and shit show because yeah. you, it's an 18 year old. What do they know? You know, <laughs> they know. know nothing of the world. Pick what you want to do the rest of your life. So for me, uh, I actually <laughs> dropped out of high school. No, I finished high school. I dropped out of college because I wanted to be a rapper. So oh, did you? Okay, so this is all right. This is awesome, dude. Uh, <laughs> okay, so you were a jock in high school. Yeah. I'm still uh, trying to get over that. Um, not not that it's something to get over, but like just the, the certain type of uh, personality that would be a jock. And then you want... <laughs> And then you kind of got lost and you wanted to be a rapper. Yeah. So, <laughs> that's awesome, dude. Like you're all over the place. Like I am like, that's great. <laughs> so I, I really, you know, um, and when I say jock, it's not like I was a football player. I oh, was you were like athletic, athletic. I was a wrestler. Like, and, oh, I okay, did, yeah. and I did Taekwondo when I was younger, I fought into the junior Olympics. Like, wow. you know, I did all that tournament stuff. Um, and then in high school, I, I kind of dropped Taekwondo because I fell in love with wrestling and I wrestled throughout all of high school and I wrestled into college. And when I was in college, I got, um, I got, I didn't get a scholarship exactly, but the college I went to, uh, it was Middlesex County college. It was NCAAJ. They gave me a tour of the school and basically they were like, okay, the way this is going to work is we're going to hook you up with all the easiest classes yeah. So all the teachers, they know the deal. You're a jock. You show up. You kind of just do what you got to do. You come to practices and all this. And that's and really they, they flat out said this to you. Oh, yeah. It, it wow. was like wow. it was I, I and look, I'm it's NCAAJ. So I got a small, small taste of what like you could imagine what like an, a recruit at like Notre Dame is experiencing. You know, yeah. I'm getting the smallest taste. But basically, like if you show up. You do, you wrestle for us. We'll make sure you pass. You'll get your associate's degree in two years. If yeah. you wrestle well, you know, you could end up going to D2 or D3, uh, all this. And it's kind of like set up for you. And they were like, your laundry, bring that in. We'll have the laundry people do your laundry for you. You'll do, like, we will take care of everything that you need in life, right? Just give us some wins, basically. Yeah, it honestly, and I was not going to start. I was going to be the backup. So okay. I wrestled, and it was a tough transition for me because 
um, in high school, I'm with all my friends wrestling, right? Yeah. And now I'm in, and at the end of your, your high school experience, you're the big fish in the pond, right? So now going to college, you're back to being the small fish again (laughs) in a completely new experience with new people. No one is really friends, you know, and it's just, the experience was really different. And college, I I really was not enjoying it. I didn't know even what the point of it is because I'm a goal-oriented person. I need, okay, I'm doing X because I want Y result or whatever it may be. So yeah. just going to college for college sake kind of didn't do it for me. And I was like, well, you know, what, what do I want to do? I was like, I like rap. So I wrote this horrendous, horrendous rap album. Uh, me and my buddy recorded it, and obviously it didn't go anywhere. I didn't become a rapper, but uh, I dropped give it. Us a little, can you give us a little taste? Of, maybe not not the rap itself, but like your uh, your rap handle, maybe. Uh, my rap name was MC Brain. Okay. <laughs> the the group was called Sanity's Requiem. Uh, oh. The album was called Love and War. No, Sanity's uh, Requiem. That sounds pretty cool. Yeah, it. Uh, it, honestly, I would be canceled so fast and lose my job if any lyrics from there came out today. I got so, you. So I try to keep it on the down low. But, okay, uh, I got you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So I did that album, and then, uh, you know, I, I didn't go back to high school. I was going to join the Navy, actually. Uh, oh, my yeah. father, because I was living at home at the time, yeah. my father was like, if you're not going to college, then you have to join the military. And he wanted me to join the Navy. And I was going to, uh, I, I signed up and everything and I was going to enlist. And then maybe six months before, like my, my ship out date deployment. My, yeah. 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 Around then, uh, it was my 18th birthday. We discovered that my father was sorry. It had to be my, it was my 18th or 19th birthday. Um, I'm probably screwing that up somewhere. Uh, either way. So we found out my father was having an affair uh, on my mother and, uh, they split. And when that happened, uh, you know, he's a scumbag. We, we have a whole bunch of issues, but he didn't get child support to my sister or anything, things like that. So he, he bounced. And after that, I kind of didn't have to join the military anymore. I was like, right, well, he was the one. Yeah. He was the one that wanted you to do it. Okay. So yeah. I was like, I'm going to stay home with my mother and sister. And yeah. I kind of dicked around throughout all my twenties, you know, hanging out with my friends, like kind of just living life, going yeah. to metal festivals, whatever, like whatever we wanted to do. It was awesome. We'd play yeah. poker every night till 4am. Then we'd go to Manhattan to eat Chinese food, come back, go to sleep at like 5am, go to work at like 4pm and just do it all again. It was like living a party. It was great. Oh, I did that too. Yeah. Yeah. But Literally. as we're doing that stuff, we're also creating all these short films and we're teaching each other skills, right? So like the first short film we do is just handy cam stuff and like turn the camera off and then put it here. And we're kind of just, we don't know how to edit. Oh, okay. I thought you meant well, like a stop motion animation thing. You just no, it's like, okay, put the camera right. here, turn it off, turn around. Let's get that other coverage. So, so then it's already edited in camera. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But you know, you're not getting multiple takes and right. different things like that. So then eventually, and that's like a little cheap $200 Sony camcorder. So then we were like, okay, let's get a real camera. Then we got a real camera. 
And then we still are shooting that way. And it's like, okay, let's learn to edit. Then we learn to edit. And we just built all these skills up over time. It sounds then, like some Robert Rodriguez shit. <laughs> yeah, awesome. it was really it was really just us kind of teaching each other how to how to do stuff, you know, like yeah. dumb little shorts, me, Steve, and Anthony, uh, another co-host on reviewing history, kind of doing all together. Yeah. So what happened after that was um eventually I was like, you know what? I think I'm gonna go to film school. I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go to film school. So I applied for uh the New York Film Academy. Uh, they have what's called the Brett Ratner grant, where it's basically they give you um, not a scholarship, but, you know, they, they take off your tuition. I got them. I wrote an essay about, you know, how I feel about film and all that. I got the maximum amount. And after that, they um, I went to the school and I found out that they were not going to cover any materials and you had to buy film and you had to buy this oh. and this. And I couldn't afford it, and I had to drop out again, and I was bummed. And I was like, okay, I can't go to film school. I'm going to make my own way. So so was that the New York? Um, New York Film Academy. No, but I mean, was that the uh, the Manhattan campus? Yeah, it was in the Manhattan campus, yeah. Because I, um, I went to the one that is literally right in between Universal Studios and Warner Brothers, right, uh, right there in uh, L.A., in Burbank. Okay, yeah. I know they yeah. have an L.A. Uh, campus, too. Yeah, I, it was literally the building. is like a big glass building, like, on Alameda Ave, I think. And it's, like, right in between the, the two. And it was weird because I, I was in the acting for film thing because that's mm -hmm. all I could afford because it yeah. was, like, two grand. And all these other people are getting, like, loans that they're probably still paying off to this day. Yeah. Um, but I just wanted to make some contacts and things like that. And I just remember they had a cool setup, um, a deal with Warner Brothers and Universal. They would use Universal's backlots for the student films. And then they would show, they would actually premiere the, the student films at Warner Brothers in the screening room, like the producer, like where they would show them dailies and things like that. So it was cool to kind of go back and forth. But uh, yeah, I remember hearing people talk about how they had to get all their own supplies and all this other, you know. A similar yeah. thing to what you were saying. Yeah. Exactly. So after a week, I realized I can't afford this. I can't do it. Yeah. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to find my own way. I'm going to do it. So I ended up, uh, I was working at a bunch of restaurants at the time. This was 2012. I had my, my first feature script written. My plan was to shoot it that summer on a shoestring budget. Um, I got fired from one restaurant uh, for fighting an employee in the parking lot. <laughs> um long story short uh i i won a super bowl pool and the guy took all the money and put it up his nose oh okay. i told him if you don't give me the money by this date i will kill you i will kill you right now <laughs> and and he didn't give the money by the date so no. they showed up in the parking lot in all black like a glove ski mask everything <laughs> and and that I'm, sounds like the movie right there. Yeah, and I'm chasing him around, and I grab him, and we're tossing on the ground, and, I, and I'm choking him. And my manager comes out, and she's, like, pulling on my mask. And I get unmasked, and it's like, you know, superheroes, you watch them in the movies and everything, and they keep their masks on. Me, it was like within 10 minutes, I was unmasked. So, so I ended up getting fired from there, but I struck a deal with them where – um, I was going to get unemployment and all this, which okay. is all I wanted. So I was delivering pizzas off the books as I was collecting unemployment. And 
someone ran a stop sign and smashed into my car, completely totaled. Oh. And I got a check for maybe, let's say, oh. <laughs> 10 grand. And I was you like, oh. anything, right? so, no, I'm, I'm fine. You know, okay, nobody right. was hurt. And I was like, well, 10 grand for my car. You know what? I'm putting that into the movie. So in 2000 and 2012, that summer, I, uh, I shot my feature length film, The Uninvited Guest. Yeah. Um, it's terrible. I consider it to be the worst movie ever made. But hey, you got you got a movie made, dude. Fuck it. Like, that's awesome. That's that's the thing. I'm proud the movie exists. No yeah. matter what, um, I'm someone with n- really no means that came from nothing and put a feature length movie together. Uh, yeah. And, you know, it played at film festivals uh, throughout the country. And, yeah. you know, it uh, it opened doors. So then after that came out, um, I did a music video or two for some bands. Uh, I recommend checking out Theater of the Absurd. Uh, they're a prog metal band. Uh, they were signed to Graviton or Gravitron Records. I've I heard did, of them. Yeah. yeah. I did their music video for uh, for um, Rising Tides in Stillwater. Uh, it's an awesome song. That, that album that they did, I love. Uh, I did their music. Can you find the music videos on YouTube and things like that? Uh, I did that for them. Uh, really, no other music videos. I did some local commercials on Staten Island, like I did for a jiu-jitsu school on Staten Island. Um, I did like a promo video for this guy in his wine shop and all that. But really, the uh, the professional breakthrough for me was it was actually 2017, uh, r- like a couple of weeks before my 30th birthday. So my 20s were really rough for me. And then once I turned 30, everything changed. Yeah. Walt put a thing out on Twitter. Can anyone uh, do a, do green screen work? I emailed Walt all like my credentials and all this. And I was like, hey, look, uh, this is what I can do. I've done some green screen work before. Uh, I can do your thing. And he was like, okay, uh, can you come to the store? So I went to the store to meet Walt for the first time. Uh, I spoke with him. I measured out what we were going to need as far as green screen to hang it up, how we're going to go about this, what the plan is. And we shot the 2017 TESD Halloween special uh, on my 30th birthday, October 20th, 2017. We shot it. Now that means that we have to get it out before Halloween. Yeah. So me and Steve, mostly Steve, he was he was doing the editing, but we had to turn it around in, you know, 10 days. Yeah. And like get it done. And that one had a lot of effects and pu- clips pulled and all this different stuff. Father um, Father Lance was there. You had uh get him uh yeah, get him with the, the jack-o'-lantern effect in the green morph suit. Yep. In the morph suit, yeah. Yeah, Great. so that you know that's kind of uh, almost a game changer for Tell em Steve Dave as yeah. far as video content. Uh, I think it gets kind of uh, forgotten about sometimes because it was like uh, pre Patreon. Yeah, yeah. But you know, and then I, I remember that I uh, reached out to Walt about doing the one for Christmas, and it just kind of didn't happen. And I was like, okay. And then I was uh, I was working as a substitute teacher. Because after, like, you know, waiting tables since I was, like, uh, 19, I was done with it. So I was working as a substitute teacher. My plan was to get my master's in film. 
and then try to be a film professor in college. So I was trying to go to NYU for a film and I had, I asked Walt, I was like, would you write me a letter of recommendation? He said, of course I wrote it. Um, NYU didn't accept me into their program. And I was like, okay, you know, I'll, I'll try to find something else. Um, well, can I, can I just interrupt you? Real yeah. quick? I'm surprised Walt wasn't like, dude, go watch fucking clerks. <laughs> make, it, make your own movie right now. I'm surprised. I mean, because Wall is like five different people in Clerks. You know, I mean, that's what I mean. When you said that, I'm like, what? Instead of a letter, letter of recommendation, you should give you the, the DVD or whatever. You know what I mean? Well, yeah, I think it was more like because that's what I wanted to do because I wanted to be a film professor. Yeah, I got you. Yeah, you know, because I made my own movie and it flopped. So, you know, and I still plan to do another one. It's just a matter of, you know. That was one of my up. questions. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, build up and building up and waiting for the right uh, time. Yeah. But um, so what? So going back, so he did. He, so he wrote you the letter. He wrote uh, me the letter of recommendation. NYU denied me. I didn't get in, and I was like, "Fuck, man! All right, this sucks." But like I said, when I was, once I turned thirty, everything turned around. Yeah. A local high school on Staten Island uh, asked me to become a teacher. They, I was filling in as a sub. They wanted me to sub the rest of the year. I did it like a month. Then they were like, we want to hire you full-time as a teacher, and we're going to let you start a film program at the school. So I wasn't able to do it at the college level like I wanted, but they were letting me do it here, and it was pretty close. So boom, I got locked in. New York City DOE public teacher. Uh, And then the next year, uh, September 2018, is when, when TESD started the Patreon. Yeah. So, you know, I've been working with Tell Him Steve Dave in some capacity since 2017. And uh, I was living on Staten Island at the time. I'd come to Jersey and stuff. And I we bought a house in New Jersey two years ago during the pandemic. Yeah. And coincidentally, uh, I had a house here. And TSD opened a studio <laughs> like two months later. Literally, I can walk there. That's how close I am to the studio now. So when that happened, it was like, oh, this is really convenient. So I started walking there and hanging out. And, you know, I think that helped me uh, get closer with Walt and in turn led to more projects and stuff because, you know, we became close like uh, we've been to Devil's Games and things like that. So. Yeah, he, they were they were kind of giving you some shit a couple of a couple of weeks ago, I think, right about uh, being kind of depressed about the the devils and you you like writing writing tweets like yeah, the world sucks and all this other stuff. I'm, I'm very <laughs> emotional, especially about my sports. So uh, when the, it looked like I can deal with the Devils losing, yeah. but if they're gonna lose to the Rangers, I really would. I'd prefer someone to just take a gun and just blow my fucking head <laughs> off, so I don't have to live in that reality. Right. So. So when it looked like that was going to happen, I was like, fucking the world is shit. It's cursed and nothing can go right. I wish I was fucking dead. Yeah. So they were were busting my balls about that. You know, that was great. Well, not the fact that, well, no, that just made me laugh quite a bit. Um, When did you, I should have asked a little while ago, but like, when did you, were you a fan like from years ago? Like, oh. were you a fan of Kevin's? Cause that's how I, I come in through Kevin and everything. Cause I actually years ago, um, 
I was I started volunteering for News Askew. It was one of Kevin's websites that he had, mm-hmm. and I was doing like interviews with anyone I could get a hold of um, that had something to do with Kevin's world and stuff. So um, that was my little in, and I was on the View Askew uh, web board, and then all of a sudden. Smodcast happens, and then he ends up having Walt and Bry on Smodcast, and that was pretty much TESD before uh, they officially started. Two years after that, you know. Yeah. Um. So, I was a huge, huge, huge Kevin Smith fan. Um. You know, that's that's how I end up making my movie. Uh, yeah. It's it's one of the things that kind of changed the trajectory trajectory of my life is seeing Clerks. You know, I would not be in the position I am in my life right now if I don't see Clerks. It sends me down this path um, to becoming a filmmaker and trying to produce stuff. Yeah. So yeah, that's yeah. why I was at the New York Film Academy in Burbank. Yeah, I think, I think Clerks had that effect on a lot of people, where it was yeah. you know this low budget, cheap thing that really anybody could make. You know. Yeah. If you if you're smart enough and you write a tight enough script, doesn't matter how you shoot it, you know you can get it done. And yeah. it's proof that you know anybody can create something, and it's inspiring. It, it to this well, day. even even the snowball effect documentary is is inspiring, you know. And that was on the Clerks X tenth uh, anniversary uh, DVD, and. Uh, I got to talk to Zach, uh, one of the guys that made that documentary about it. And uh, that was like, that should have been a movie itself, which basically Clerks 3 became. And Zach and Mary was basically that as well, you know, yeah. the story of Clerks. But um, no, that's awesome, dude. So, yeah, I was a big Kevin fan. Um, and I remember I would listen to Smodcast as I would like put comics away, like bag and board them and all that stuff, yeah. just like, you know, to do it. And I loved Smodcast. And then, I wasn't there for year one of Tell Him Steve Dave. Uh, I'm not going to pretend like I was. I'm going to say I was probably there year two. I think uh, I think I came in somewhere around that point. But after that, you know, I was hooked and I was pure Tell Him Steve Dave. Yeah. And, you know, at different points, I've related to different guys differently on the show. Too, yeah. And you I know, went. To, I, I moved away from Smodcast and it was all about Tell Him Steve Dave. Too. It was the weirdest thing. Yeah. yeah. I think part of that is consistency, relatability, but, um, you know, I'm from Staten Island. So Q is a guy that like, he would talk about stuff and it's like, Oh yeah, I know. I know exactly what he's talking about. (laughs) And then Walt and Bry with their impression of him, and uh, always busting his balls about Staten Island. Um, yeah, that's great. Um, okay. Let me uh, dive into this, uh, literally do it yourself. Uh, a little index card I had earlier. Um, I, oh yeah, it, uh, you kind of brought it up on uh, on the new um, collectibles show. Collectors' well, corner, yeah. Collectors' corner, yeah. Collectibles. I just I watched it the other day, and um, you wanted to get into writing comic books. Oh yeah, it's still something I want to do. Um, it's I I said um like I I said earlier I'm a very goal oriented person. Yeah where I have big ideas and big dreams and big plans. And, uh, and it's really, I do believe I will get all of them done. Um, it's not a matter of getting it done right away. It's waiting for the right time to make things happen. And as long as you're consistent and you don't give up on it, I think you can get it done. 
Um, That's a great so, way to think about it. Yeah, dude. Yeah. Right. So uh, I have, um, I've been working on it for two years. Well, no, almost a year, one year. Uh, I have three issues written, the outline of a four issue kind of uh, book. It wouldn't be like a main, like a big, like ongoing. I don't foresee it that way. It's just one little story I want to tell. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll tell you kind of what it is in my head. Uh, yeah. It's basically old man Conan the Barbarian. So it's which, which they were talking about making as a movie with Arnold a couple of years ago. And okay, then- I didn't even know that was a thing. But it's oh, not- I'm sorry, dude. No, no, no. You no, 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 no. I, they're not doing it now, so. It, do, it, it doesn't matter if they did. Mine, mine is completely different. Okay. okay. So um, it's, it's basically the story of an old barbarian who is aging. And you know how barbarian cultures go. When you're older and things slow down and you're not feeling like you're in your prime anymore, someone young comes up to take everything from you. And it's kind of that story of an old barbarian who's lost a step and what he's going to do now, you know? (laughs) And, and that's kind of what it is. And, and there's a, there's a twist with the backdrop. I don't want to give away, but I think that's what kind of gives it its real unique flavor. That's awesome. Now, uh, when you're finished with it, are you thinking like, like a, a, a company like IDW or, I, I doubt I have the juice to get something with IDW or anything. Uh, my first step would be, you know, finish writing it, uh, then find an artist. And, you know, from there, if I'm lucky, my artist has some connections. But, you know, uh, we could self-publish or do it online if needed. Uh, Walt Flanagan. <clears throat> I'm sorry, I had something in my throat here. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, that's awesome, dude. Uh, no, I, I hope you uh, get to do that one day. Uh, it, I, it, I promise you it will happen. Like yeah. I'm not going to leave this earth until I make one comic book. Um, so yeah. that, so that's the one that is right now in my head because I have another comic book, which I've wanted to do, which would be a 12 issue, almost like Watchmen style thing. Which, like, <laughs> yeah. I can't even give the concept away because it's like, yeah, yeah, it's a hero where like the hook for him would kind of like, yeah, no, no, don't give it away. No, I, I know what you mean, dude. When you get a, an idea where you're like, oh my God, this is great. You, you have to tiptoe around it. And no, that's great to always have like all the ideas and everything. Um, yeah, no, I, I kind of have a similar thing that where I'm like, I will not leave this earth until I make that, that independent feature film. <laughs> like, you know, I will not, like, I will, you know, I will put off death as long as I can. You know what I mean? <laughs> Yeah, I, I totally. You have that. to have that mindset, and uh, you've had success. You know, you know what I mean. You've actually gotten things like made. So, it's it's look. Um, there's there's something to be said for just getting something done, regardless of quality. Um, you know, it's like at the end of the day, when you're doing things on a shoestring budget, yeah. where you don't have any real means. Uh, just getting something done in of itself is a massive accomplishment. So uh, I don't want to give spoilers away from my feature, The Uninvited Guest, but um, I'll, t- I'll tell you kind of in vague terms. Okay. So we had this uh, – I didn't have a lot of money. So we had enough money for a 10-day shoot of a 90-page script, right? Oh, wow. Maybe, maybe even more. It was at least 90 pages. 
because I wanted to, you know, I'm going to say maybe 112 pages, right? Because I added some extra things in. And we had a schedule, and we were basically shooting, um, you know, from morning to night for 10 days in a row. Uh, my mother, God bless her, she let me turn her home into a studio. So I had actors living there, uh, D- the DP, various, like, people coming in and out, crashing on the couch everywhere, taking over the house. Like, you'd be, you, I'd get up in the morning to take a piss. I'd be stepping over people to go into the bathroom. <laughs> like, yeah. she's a saint. Because the whole film basically takes place in the house. So the film was built around this one prop. Uh, I'm not going to say what it is in case anyone wants to check it out. So it was key that we had this one prop. And it was supposed to be there day one of shooting. The day before shooting, the guy is like, I'm not going to deliver your prop. I can't get it done. He was custom building it. Oh. And it had all these bells and whistles and it, like the, I had seen the skeleton of it and it looked awesome. And he was like, I got hit on the head. I can't deliver it. Fucking oh. bullshit. You know? So I had to change everything on the fly. On the fly. Yeah. Done. So it was like the pacing for the movie got messed up. The schedule got messed up. Uh, day one was supposed to be more simple and due to the way we had to flip things, we had to go to a complicated dolly shot. And everything just kind of snowballed. And it towards the end, it became not about making the movie I want to make. It became about making a movie. A movie. Yeah. And, and I got it done. And I'm very proud it exists. But it's not something where I like it because there's too much fat on it. You know, I would like to cut this. I would like to cut that. And if... I had the thing that was delivered. I think I could have made a tighter, more compelling thing. Yeah. But, you know. But you had to work on the fly and uh, work with what you had and what you didn't have. Yeah. Yeah. And the fact that you didn't just say fuck it and just throw your hands up in the air says a lot about, about you as a person, too, and a filmmaker. So kudos to you for continuing on. Yeah. I think I think it's the biggest key about filmmaking is the ability to look at everything crumbling and say, okay, I have to figure out a way about this. Filmmaking is just problem solving. Yeah. The littlest things are going to come up that you just have to address and think of and trust your instincts that this was the right call, you know? Yeah. Like Murphy's law, everything that will go wrong does go wrong. Exactly. And the test of a director is how fast, you can adapt and overcome to those changes. Yeah, and not uh, freak out and have a nervous breakdown and everything. <laughs> yeah. With uh, with the Tell Him Steve Dave idea session, the pitch uh, meetings. Yeah. Have you guys had some pretty awesome material that you weren't able to actually execute because of maybe budget or other reasons or anything? Um, so I'll tell you one or, or whatever you're allowed to say. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I can't say too much, but I'll tell you one idea, which is from years ago, which didn't happen. Um, so it was after 2017, it was after the Halloween special. I pitched Walt a Christmas special. Um, that was the premise was Mike and Ming have split up. They've broken up. <laughs> And they're having rival Christmas parties where, like, you have some people at Ming's, some people at um, Mike's. And this way you could kind of 
go, oh, we have to go to Ming's for a little bit. And we they keep having to go back and forth. And the end premise was that, you know, they play some games to, to get Mike and Ming to love each other again. Uh, that was something that I pitched, which didn't happen. Yeah, there's like a gay bathhouse uh, in the credits or something. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Now I was just wondering about that because, uh, yeah, throughout the years on uh, Twitter, I would uh, every now and then I would throw something to Walt and just see if he'd be like, "That's stupid," or he'd be like, "Oh, that's pretty cool." Because every now and then you you'll see him go, "Oh, wow!" You know, I had like a thing I I pitched him uh, about uh, making a tea. Uh, Tell him Steve Dave Madballs, like from the 80s and stuff, but like with the various characters from the podcast. And I think he just thought I was a fucking idiot, which, you know, in hindsight, I was. But uh, it was great that he was uh, suffering me, I guess that's the word. Um, so what what do you got? Uh, so you have a newborn, which is yeah. which is huge. And like I said before, congratulations. Thank you. And uh, you have a new a new home in the last couple of years. Yeah. So from your twenties to now, it seems like you have your shit together, for lack of a better term. Yeah. Once I turned thirty, it all kind of snowballed. Like in my twenties, I really, you know, my love life was kind of a mess. Like uh, very sporadically dated. I turned yeah. thirty. I met my now wife. <laughs> you know, five years later, we have a kid in a house. Uh, I got my professional career. I started yeah. working with Tell Him Steve Dave. Almost everything I've wanted to happen uh, happened once I turned my 30. So my advice for any listener of yours that like yeah. is out there uh, struggling is kind of just wait things out because you never know where uh, where you end up. Yeah, never give up. I mean, you can look at like Q. Yeah, Q would say that too because uh, Q used to talk about how he was like suicidal in his 20s and everything. <laughs> and then yeah. he's like one of the biggest stars ever. Like, So if he had done something to himself, he never would have uh, – saw that success so so that's uh, an example right there um, exactly <laughs> i was gonna okay so yeah also um uh just uh I, I was gonna say do you have any dream projects uh i know you said uh another feature but if there's any creative endeavors you'd like to give a shot because oh, you like you... there are so so many things that i i want to do yeah. And so many different film ideas that I have. Um, Would you ever go back to music? No, no. Okay. That is that unless it's a music video, that's not happening. Uh, okay, you know, you. my my music consists of me singing folk songs to uh, to uh, my daughter to put her to sleep. Yeah, you know, okay. I have no no desire to do uh, music. Okay, I got you. <laughs> but. Um, but, you know, I do have some film ideas that I would like to do. Um, I'll tell you one that, uh, that you know, I don't even know if I'm the person to tell this story, but it's one that I would love to see made. So it's a World War II movie. Uh, it's about a Japanese guy whose name is escaping me at the moment. But basically, he was a fighter for Japan in the Philippines. And he was in like this covert ops thing where they were in the jungle and they would go into the village and just kill villagers and then retreat back to the jungle. Yeah. And he was there during World War II and he fought in the jungle alone, like all his men. He ended up losing them. He fought in the jungle alone, 
basically from 1940, I'm going to say off the top of my head, until like 1970-something. Staying, staying in the Philippine jungles alone, coming out, and he would just, you know, and he would murder people because that's his mission, right? Yeah. And they, they caught him in the 70s eventually, and he goes home to Japan, and the Japan he left yeah. is a completely different world. Like, like think of what he's seeing. Like, Japan in the 60s and 70s is kind of visually similar to what we know it as now. Yeah. You know, billboards, lights, all this stuff. When he leaves, that is not Japan. It's not this, like, Western culture. And he doesn't recognize his home. And he doesn't have a place there. And, you know, it's the story of this guy who was so loyal to this one thing. And he comes back and it's com- – first of all, they lost the war. He doesn't He doesn't know the war was lost. And he stayed in the jungle for like another 30 years that he didn't have to because the war <laughs> was over. Yeah. You know, he – but he did, he did what he thought was his duty. And he comes back and he doesn't recognize his country. And, uh, you know, eventually he goes to Brazil because they have a Japanese community there and he feels like he'll be more at home. But yeah. he's kind of a man without a country at that point, you know. And eventually uh, he ends up doing some humanitarian aid for the Philippines for, like, all the shit he did to them. But, you know, he's not a bad person. He's just a guy who was on a mission that he didn't know was over. So it's a story I would love to tell about uh, about kind of when your society has progressed beyond you and, and reconcil- reconciling that. So that's like a dream film project that I uh, that I have. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think um, at a certain point um, you might uh, try it as a graphic novel first? Like it's a pre- already a book. So that oh, okay. Just, okay. So the guy the guy wrote a book about his life and his experiences. So okay. I would be I would I would adapt his book basically. You know. Okay, so it's already okay. I, I, yeah. I see what you're saying. Okay. But I would, I would love to do the film adaptation of that. So yeah. that's that's a uh, one idea um, that I would love to do. Okay, that's cool. That's cool. Um, well, I was gonna say, and I'll uh, tell you, I'll tell you what my next feature is going to be. Yeah, yeah, please. Um, without giving details away, I will tell you what my next feature is going to be. Uh, it's going to be a slasher. Oh, it's awesome! Yeah. Um, it's going to be very eighties inspired. So it's going to be a lot of gore. Um, I, I want nudity because I feel that's something that's severely missing from modern horror and most modern movies. Absolutely. Because like, um, I hate that the male gaze shit where people are like, you have tits in your movie. It's like, you know what? I'm a dude. I like, <laughs> yeah. you know what? I I've yet to meet the, the dude who's like, Oh, these tits in a movie. You know, it's like, I, know, yeah. I want to see a fat set of nuts. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> what? It's like, look, it's like, it's not why I'm watching the movie, but right. it's like, you could have vanilla ice cream, you could have vanilla ice cream with chocolate sprinkles, walnuts, right. and a cherry. It's like, yeah, yeah. one is better. So, so <laughs> it's, awesome. um, it, it's a slasher, kind of like a cabin in the woods style thing where basically, um, these, these college kids are in kind of a um, 
a liberal arts college almost, right? And they go away together as like an arts retreat. So you have all these different types of people that are into the arts in this cabin in the woods. And you, and, and I play with that, you know, like there's one guy who's kind of a comedian and all this stuff. And obviously it's a slasher. So, we know, someone goes around killing them. Who is it? And that's kind of the, the thing. So where you, where you got that right wing moral kind of thing going on, like Mrs. Voorhees, you know, you have sex, you got to go kind of thing. Yeah. Like, I'm a big Friday the 13th fan. So too. it's definitely like that where it's like, look, and the movie is not, it's not about politics. It's not about that. It's about fun characters that hopefully I can make you care about and killing them. <laughs> That's, That's it. Awesome. You know, where it's like, like, I don't need, I'm so sick of every horror movie. It's about how they process their trauma. Oh, fuck that. Yeah. yeah. Like, like I get it. At, at this point, it's like a trope. Every character has to have trauma and a traumatic backstory. And they're getting over the death. But they don't, though. That's the thing. They don't necessarily have to have that. But they throw it in there anyway. Yeah, it's every horror movie now. It's like, I don't need it. Can't it just be these people are together and there's a fucking craze killer after them? That's it. Give me a Dream Warriors again. I mean, they they had issues because they were in an as- asylum. You know what I mean? Like, I like that, you know? Yeah. Like, I cared about those kids. Mm-hmm. You know, the kids, uh, I don't know, the last time I saw a horror movie it was actually Halloween Ends. So uh, I'll put that aside. But before that, I can't remember a decent horror movie for a while. Um, See, I love slashers. And me they're too. Kind of, you know. Got right, got right there, Elm Street. Oh, there you go. Yeah, they're they're pretty rare these days. So you know, it's, and good ones too. I know people love uh, the Terrifier movies. Uh, did you see Terrifier two? I haven't seen one or two. Yeah, one I really really liked. Two I felt was uh, too long, and it kind of uh, you know I I don't think I ever need to see a three hour slasher film. No, know? no, not at it's all. It's like get in. Let's get out. But it kind of, it really, you know, it, it overstayed its welcome for me a bit. And I th- felt it kind of, uh, the mythology got a little too muddled and unclear by the end. But that's just my opinion. Maybe I'm just uh, Mr. Old Man now. But I, I like my Leatherface, my Michael Myers, my Jason Voorhees, Freddy. Um, I throw Pinhead in there, even though he's a Cenobite, not really a slasher, but... I would have loved to have seen the Cenobites actually doing some slasher stuff with their, yeah. their weapons, but that never really happened in the original movies. You get um, it in Hellraiser 3, kind of. Kind of, but you got like the CD head guys. He's yeah, like, yeah. With CDs and shit. And yeah, so you got that. And uh, and Chucky, I got to say, I do, I, I do like Chucky still. The show's um, not bad. Yeah, I was um, pleasantly surprised with that first season. I haven't yeah. seen the second season yet. That's Second season, season is, isn't as strong, but it's still totally fine, you know? I, I was shocked that they went with the movie theater. Well, spoiler, well, there's a thing that happens at the end of the first season. And I was surprised just with, uh, you know, like, you know, like stuff like Aurora. Like, things yeah, like, yeah, I was yeah. Surprised. I'm like, wow, they went there. And kudos to them because, you know, uh, they had the balls to do it, you know? Um, yeah. So we got that. Yeah, I get a couple of slashers I would love to make into movies at some point they would be pretty different too like what what would you say like the most important aspect to a slasher would be would it be his backstory or would it be the powers he has or would it be like his weapon of choice 
So I honestly don't believe that the slasher matters that much to the slasher movie. Um, it's my belief that, you know, you like we've seen Friday the 13th where you don't see the slasher until, what, the last 15 minutes? Yeah. You know? So I think it's more about framing and how you shoot them and all that. Uh, but, like, when you're creating an iconic character, it's a different thing, you know? Because uh, there's tons of slashers and Giallo-style stuff where you're not no. really seeing the, the killer. But when you're talking about creating an iconic character and an iconic look, um, I think it's a combo of everything. I think that face matters. Like, uh, like I love that Victor Crowley series, the Hatchet series that uh, Adam Green did. Kane Hodder after he got screwed on Freddy versus Jason. Yeah, yeah exactly. So it's like, um, that's something where it's like, I think his face is very memorable. I think it might be the face that's the most important, more than a weapon. Well, yeah, I mean, you got with Robert, Robert England. I mean, that's that's crucial to that character. Yeah. I mean, because you hear some of the other picks that um, that Wes was trying to go with. I found out that he offered the Freddy Krueger part to Richard Mole of Night Court fame before Robert. Really? Yeah, because he wanted to have a really, really tall guy, and he was looking at stunt people, including... Uh, meeting with Kane Hodder because he had just worked on Hills of Ice 2 with him. And he had real burns, like, as you probably already know. So originally he was thinking about having a guy who already had burns on him. But uh, I'm glad they went with who they went with with yeah. that character. But. Yeah, I think the Night Court one would have been weird. You're guilty, bitch. <laughs> You're guilty. Yeah, yeah no, or he just uh, <laughs> he screws up and he just, <laughs> you know, <laughs> just grab his, his forehead or whatever. But anyway, no, that no, that's I could talk about horror and slashes with you uh, all day. No, you, you see, dude, you got a pretty inspiring uh, story and a lot of things that you you're working towards. So that gives me uh, more inspiration because I've been in a rut for a couple of decades now. So I need to get my shit together. <laughs> yeah, it's, just do it, man. Really, yeah. like honestly, don't worry about quality. Don't worry about anything. Like my yeah. biggest sin with my movie is I wish it was worse in a way. Like, like I consider it to be the worst movie ever made, but it doesn't get bad enough to where it's fun. You know, like, I would have loved to earnestly try to make something and have it be so bad that it's like The Room. You the know? I was going to say The Room, but like a horror movie. <laughs> yeah, it's like, I would have loved to, or like a Birdemic or some shit like that. Like, I would have <laughs> loved to try and create something like that inadvertently. Um yeah. And unfortunately, mine is just kind of you watching. You go, well, that sucks. You know, it's no. it's there's there's a level of competency where once you get to that point, <laughs> it's not fun bad anymore. You know, right, right. But then if it's fun bad, it, it, it like turns it around where now you can. It's like a midnight movie now, where you got exactly. People. And now you know you get some success from it. So honestly, my advice: just try your best, and even the work the. The like, even if it sucks, you, it it's gonna find its audience if it's bad and fun, you know. And uh, and for the the person like my well, in this case it would be me. Just the fact I finally did it, you know what I mean? Exactly. Yeah. That's that's a it's part a win. Of it. It's a win right there, you know. Well, anyway, um, I I really appreciate you taking the time, especially with a newborn and uh, all these projects and and everything that you're working on, um. 
is if you want, and sometimes the guest doesn't want to be contacted, but if you want to be contacted uh, and for people to see uh, your work, it's well, first of all, it would be the Tell and Steve Day Patreon. That, yep. That's there. And what about you? Uh, where can people find your movie? Uh, so my movie is on Amazon Prime. Okay. Cool. Uh, it's called The Uninvited Guest. It's yep. not the one with Mackay Pfeiffer. <laughs> <laughs> It's uh, if you put an uninvited guest, Brian Rupert, I'm sure it'll pop up on Amazon. Or if you Google it, I'm sure it'll pop up. And I'm pretty sure if you look at some illegal movie websites, it's there too. Um, I, I actually have, I think I have the link in the show show notes that'll be at the bottom. Okay, cool. So yeah, look there, uh, Amazon Prime and uninvited guest. You can watch it. I personally don't recommend it. Uh, if you if you want to see more of my actual work, um, yeah. You can go to the Tell Steve Dave Patreon, and I'm on all sorts of projects there. Uh, Sunday Drive, all this stuff. Uh, and you, you, you yourself are featured in the latest um, Collector's Corner. Yes, on Collector's Corner, uh, we go around my office, which I'm in right now, which I know it looks like I'm in a black void, but that's just because I have one shitty light in here. No, but, that was great with the Tales from the Dark Side thing at the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, I have uh, like a bunch of comic art and sports memorabilia and stuff around the uh, room. Yeah. But uh, Collector's Corner on the Tell Him Steve Dave Patreon on there. Uh, I host a James Bond show on there, uh, License to Pod, which I'm praying to God we get to do more. The next one is Goldeneye, and I want to get them to play the game, which uh, was huge for my generation. Uh, 1995. Yeah, yeah, growing up playing that game was big for us. Um you can yeah, also you, really you got, got your podcast too. Um reviewing history, which is the last thing I was gonna plug. That's where you can find me most of the time. Uh we do at least one show a week. I also do film essays on the YouTube channel. Uh and I think it pops up on Rumble as well. Uh where or I'll do a film review. Um I'm also on Letterboxd. I rank and review every single movie I watch. Uh I just like chronicling that. But Reviewing History is my podcast. The YouTube channel, you'll find film essays. Uh, I have one where it kind of popped pretty big for us. Uh, it was about kind of uh, the history of the MCU and all that. Yeah, yeah that's right. It was, yeah, I watched that. It was cool. Yeah. Um, then, you know, we have uh, one about uh, – I did one about Tom Cruise being the last movie star. I'm working on a really long one about Star Wars and where I think it all went wrong. But that's that's a tease for later. But reviewing history is the podcast. Um, this week we had Oppenheimer come out. Next week we have a episode coming out where we go over Alexander, and I think it is a really funny episode. So definitely that's, check that's that out. A, that's the Oliver Stone uh, Alexander with the Colin Oliver Paul. Stone Alexander movie. Okay. Yep. And one last thing, I, I was just curious. Yeah. Have you had a chance to check out? the Robert England documentary that came out. Uh, I didn't know there was a Robert England documentary. Yeah. I just interviewed uh, one of the two, uh, two guys that the uh, filmmakers, uh, Gary smart, I think it's um, now, of course the title's going to escape me, but it came out on his birthday on June 6th. Actually, they were able to, to get it. It's through the company that when you said letterbox, uh, I was thinking um, it's the company that, is working with bloody disgusting, I, I believe. Screenbox. Screenbox. That's right. Yeah, and it's. I think. It, yeah, if I remember right, it's called um, Dreams and Nightmares. Um, okay. The the life and career. I'm totally screwing it up, but it's 
it's fantastic and uh it just goes to show uh robert not just talking about freddie but just being what it was like uh you know working with the greats back in the day like like henry fonda just being a, a character actor and things like mm -hmm. that and he goes he goes deep into stories that and i'm a huge robert england fan it's stuff that i i hadn't even heard of and i'm pretty uh well versed with uh, that man's work, but uh, but anyway, now I'm just uh, going on and on about something that you're not involved with. So. No, that's, but yeah, that's, check it out. Yeah, that's something I would love to watch. I loved um, that that. Uh, but the, but the, but the guy uh, Gary Smart, his story reminded me of yours, where they were, they put this documentary together and they actually got Robert to uh, help them throughout the way, like their hero from like the childhood, like. And just the inspiring is basically what I was trying to get. That's awesome. I think, look, I'm not someone who's made it. Um, I'm someone who, who is still trying to make it, but I have my small area where I get, I am blessed. I really am lucky that. Um, Dude, you're working I'm, on Tell Him Steve Dave. Dude, I'm, right? That's you what I'm won. saying. I'm a, I'm a fan of Tell Him Steve Dave before anything else. Yeah. And I'm extremely, extremely blessed and lucky that I get to, play my small part in that universe and I get to help out and I've made friends with people that I truly loved their work before I was ever involved with them. You know, I would be on the Patreon subscribed even if I was not like doing this. Like, yeah. Yeah. Doing like it now. They were a big source of entertainment for me before I entered this world. So I really do not take it for granted what I get to do and how lucky I am. And that's also uh, pretty healthy too, besides yeah. the inspiration part, like from before, the fact that you just said that, and that's the perfect place to, uh, to end. Uh, I hope everyone enjoyed this as much as I have. And will you come back again? Um, Anytime. Awesome. Awesome. I appreciate it. And I'll, uh, I'll send you the link uh, um, shortly uh, after I hit the end broadcast. All right. Cool. Uh, have a good night, everybody.